Last week in Musar, we did chesed, kindness, and your exercise was to make up your own exercise. So, how did you do? So the comment was that the exercise was to withhold punishment when you had the ability to do so. That's not always chesed. Certainly can be, but without discernment, doing that leads to mush. And certainly God and Yeshua get to decide when withholding punishment would lead to mush because they don't always withhold punishment. In other words, the consequences very often fall on you for your actions. And I see that as God preventing us from taking advantage of the fact that there's no policeman and everything just turning to mush. So just like everything in Musar, there's a spectrum. And if you slam over to the, I never punish anybody because I'm exercising a set end, what you wind up with is mush. But on the other side, if you go to, they all deserve it, then you wind up with harshness, and neither one of which is good. And the example I would give is when your two-year-old needs a swat on the bumper, and you, in fact, give them a swat on the bumper because you are looking to their character development and so forth further on. And I see that as an exercise of assent. And that can degenerate into abuse and everything else, but everything needs to be balanced. Going to do this week is enthusiasm. And the Hebrew word is zerazut. And it's all over scripture. Psalm 119 says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. In the rabbinic literature, the idea here is when an opportunity comes for you to do a mitzvah, you should do it enthusiastically. And the idea is if there's a mitzvah that you could be doing and you sort of sit back and say, well, I can get to that tomorrow, the rabbinic perspective is you've spoiled it. It's not any good. So the idea here is to do what you're going to do enthusiastically. So some barriers. First one is laziness, and there's a Hebrew word for that too, absolute. And, of course, your poster child there is all over Proverbs. I used to say that the iron in my blood is turned into lead in my ass. We're physical, and physical things are heavy. Some of us more heavy than others. But the idea is that the physical sort of tends to weigh you down. You can do 10,000 good deeds in your spirit, but getting your flesh to actually move along and make something happen is a different kettle of fish. And part of that is simply because we are made out of meat, which is heavy. And the older you get, and your meat starts to slow down, it affects your enthusiasm. Your mind can be going a thousand miles a minute, and boy, I can think of this, and I can do that, and I can do that, but somehow, just getting off the couch just doesn't happen. So laziness will get in the way of enthusiasm. You just need to be aware of that. Newton's law of motion, a body in rest tends to stay at rest. So if you're at rest, getting yourself moving is a project. 
when you're two years old or four years old, you got lots of energy and you can get it moving really quick. But as you get older, that becomes harder and harder. And just be aware of that. It's natural and not necessarily particularly sinful, but it can lead you to sin. Because if you let it dominate, you will wind up not doing the things that God would have you do. And the perfect example is there are lots of people like me that really could use to lose about 10 or 15 pounds. And I have not done any sin that has resulted in me being 15 pounds overweight. But what happens is you rationalize. Well, I'll start my diet on Tuesday. And right now, there's cake on the table. And it's Shabbat. And what happens is you go through life and none of these decisions is sinful in itself. But an accumulation of suboptimal decisions will lead you to a place that you don't want to be. And I will give an example. I've given this before. It's been a year since I've given it, so most of you haven't heard it. Long time ago, longer ago than most of you have been here, and most of you don't know this person, there was a, a woman in the congregation whose mother was grossly obese. And she was so grossly obese that she couldn't get out of her chair anymore. She just sort of sat there all the time. And so she needed to go to the hospital. And we got four or five guys in the congregation. And every time we would touch her to try and lift her and get her into a car, she would scream with pain. What she had become is a prisoner inside of her own body. Now, I don't know anything about this woman's spiritual state. I met her for an afternoon, so I, you know, it's not like I knew her. But I surmised that she had made a series of very small, what I would call suboptimal decisions. There's no sin about an extra donut. Not going to go to hell for eating the donut hole as well as the donut. But yet, over a period of time, these small decisions had added up to the point where she couldn't move anymore. And there was never a point in her life where she said, oh, this donut hole is the one that's going to do it. I am not going to eat that one because I know if I eat that one, I'm going to become a prisoner in my own body. She never was faced with that decision. It was just sort of drifting along, which is what I do, which is why I need to lose 15 pounds, because I just sort of drift along. And one of the things that enthusiasm or Zerazud is supposed to help you to do is recognize the inertia that's in your life that's leading you to be in a place where you really don't want to be. Laziness thrives on rationalization, which is our second point. Rationalization, the rabbis call it advice from the evil inclination. <laughs> I kind of like that. Another way to say it is lies we tell ourselves without realizing that they're lies. I'll start my diet on Tuesday. One more piece of cake isn't going to make any difference. Well, yeah, but if only, you know, those kinds of things that go through your mind, those are rationalizations. And you need to recognize that you're really good at it. Your emotions uses your faculty of reason to generate rationalization. The thing that you want to do comes from your nephesh, and it's emotional. 
So what the emotion does is it reaches up into your conscious mind and says, all right, I need you to generate some reasons here for me. And your conscious mind says, oh, okay, that's what we want to do. I'll generate some reasons. And you'll start generating reasons why you're going to do or refrain from doing the thing that your nephesh or your emotions want. Understand that reason is not trustworthy because reason is the handmaiden of the emotions. And we're all really, really good and really clever at using our reason to get what it is that we actually want. And we will lie to ourselves to our face. And we will believe those lies. Just understand that rationalization is the thing that sustains laziness. And the other one is what I've called if only here. If only this, I would do that. If only this, I would do something else. And again, that's rationalization. What you do is you find some reason that you can hang rationalization onto. I don't make enough money to tithe, or I don't have enough for myself. I mean, my intentions are really good. This is what I really want to do because God said I should do it. I really want to do this, but I can't because of X. And we are really good at finding X. You all recognize this proverb, Proverb 26, verses 12 through 16. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Notice who's saying this. The sluggard, the lazy person is saying, there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the street. And what he is talking about is, I would go out and do something, except there might be a lion in the street, and I would get eaten if I went outside of my house. It's a rationalization. There is no lion in the street. But the sluggard sits back there with his hands over his tummy and says, well, I can't go out and do that because there, there could be a lion in the street. So what this is intended to show you is the ridiculous lengths that you will go to rationalize not doing or doing something that you should do. It's a hyperbolic example. As the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard in his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. In other words, he's so lazy that he sticks his hand out to get something out of the dish, but he's too lazy to bring it to his mouth. And then the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And that goes back to, do you see the man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for him than a fool. What this is saying, the sluggard is wise in his own eyes, which is to say he's got a really powerful rationalization mechanism. He is really good at rationalizing what it is he wants to do as opposed to what he should do. He's got a giant justifier, industrial strength justifier. And that's what that proverb is saying. It's talking about rationalization. Excessive deliberation is another thing that hinders, and I'm really good at this. It's sort of the best is the enemy of the good. I will stand there frozen trying to figure out what order I want to move my tools in to clean up my workbench. Instead of just grabbing one and moving it, I will stand there and say, well, 
all right, if I take the plane and I put it up on the wall where it belongs, that means I take two extra steps from taking the calibers, which has to go over here, and I will go through this whole optimization routine to clean up my desk. That's what's called excessive deliberation. Whereas I would have been done by the time I got done figuring out the optimum path had I just reached out and grabbed something and moved. That's what's called excessive deliberation. You're overthinking things when you should just do it. Just start. I think it was Brian that used to say, the only way to do a job is you start on the first step and you do it. And you keep doing it until you're done. Well, I have the problem as I think the whole thing through. And by the time I've done thinking everything through, it's time for supper. As I say, everything in here has got a spectrum. And if you're standing there stalled, cleaning up your workbench because you can't decide whether it's better to move the plane first or the calipers first, then it's a problem. Luxuries of the world. And I could have also said distractions of the world. One of the things that the world is really good at doing is capturing your attention. So it's very easy to get involved in the things that the world wants you to become involved in. And those will stall out, if you will, your good intentions. So it's just something to be aware of. Anxiety. That goes back to our line in the street from the proverb. Well, what if they don't show up? Or what if there's a line in the street? Or you can think of a thousand of them. That goes along with excessive deliberation, except in this case, your excessive deliberations are thinking of all the bad things that could happen if you get off the couch. So all of these things get in the way of enthusiasm, which is doing what God would have you do as soon as you realize that that's what you're supposed to do. Notice how I said that. As soon as you realize what it is God would have you do in this circumstance, do it. All of these things are things that get in your way and prevent you from doing that. Maybe not entirely prevent you, but it will throw the timing off. And very often, a good thing done at the wrong time is a waste. And one other little caveat here, when I say, when God presents you with something to do, I am not suggesting that you're going to get this booming voice from the overhead. John, go open the door for that lady who's carrying all those groceries and has a child on her arm. You're seldom going to get those kinds of instructions. But when you're presented with a lady with an armful of groceries and a child on her arm, you should jump to open the door without waiting for instructions. And then you can sit there and say, God, am I supposed to open the door for that lady? Understand that most of the things that you're supposed to do, you're not going to get a move of the Spirit on. You just know that those are things that you should do. Hasad, kindness, those kinds of things. So most of your opportunities to do a mitzvah are going to be things that you are going to help to self-generate. You're going to have to be alert for them. And then once your antenna are up and you see an opportunity, then jump in and do it as quickly as you can. Now, everything here has got a spectrum to it. So what's the spectrum to anxiety? Prudence. Sometimes your reasons for not wanting to do that are in fact prudent. 
but they can also be irrational anxiety. So back to overthinking things. Well, the other side of that is someone who can see a sequence of steps and lay out a course of action over a long period of time. That's the other end of that spectrum. I have been focusing on the negative end of each one of those spectrums here because the negative end of each one of those things interferes with enthusiasm. There is another end to each one of those things that is positive and healthy. Remember I said your reason is untrustworthy. That doesn't mean that your reason is useless because without reason you'd never build a boat. You'd never send anybody to the moon if you think that's a good thing. So reason is simply a tool and if you allow your emotions to use it in service of keeping you welded to the couch then that's rationalization and that's bad. If you use it on the other end to figure out how you're going to build a boat to go raid England with your Viking then that's a good thing. England needs to be raided. So all of these things have two ends to them. Don't get the idea that reason is unavoidably bad or anxiety doesn't have a good side, which is prudence. But it's the same mechanism. Your exercise. This is going to seem odd. Some suggestions for key phrases as you start your day to, to get your awareness moving. Don't delay. With zeal for the good. You could pick up the psalm that I started off with. I run to do your commandments. Whatever makes sense to you. Make a list of the things you're grateful for. What this does is it focuses you on the good. It focuses you on the positive. It focuses you on all the things that God has done for you. And what that's intended to do is motivate you to do good things for other people quickly. As you get revelation of how much you've been blessed by God, what you then want to do is you want to take those blessings and you want to spread them out and you want to do God's work in his kingdom because you are grateful to him. Take a few minutes each day to review your list. Remember, one of the things we said early on is the exercises we are doing for each of these midot are not specific to that particular measurement. So you can use any of the exercises for any remedial. And one of the things we said is instead of trying to change the one that your target, change a complementary one. And you'll find that the complementary one that you change will affect the one that you actually want to change. So the complementary one for enthusiasm is gratitude. Remember, gratitude is one of your meetup. We just did it a couple weeks ago. By increasing your gratitude, what it does is reflect on your enthusiasm. That's an example of instead of attacking the one that you want to develop, attack a complementary one so that it affects the one you want. Work on gratitude this week, and what you'll find as you're working on gratitude but thinking about enthusiasm is your enthusiasm will increase. <laughs>